Hey guys, thank you for joining us today on the Legend of Pixels podcast. Um, I'm joined with Morgan over here. Say hi, Morgan. Hello. Hi. So basically, we just got out of uh, seeing the Dark Tower. Um, uh, I would like to preface uh, this whole podcast with that we're going to be talking about the Dark Tower, uh, the books, and the movie. We're going to be spoiling everything. We're going to be spoiling so everything. if you haven't read the books, all seven of them, and if you haven't seen the movie, just know that we're going to be talking about things from all seven books and the movie. So, you know. Yeah. Ba- basically, um, we ha- we have some thoughts. Uh, I've only actually read The Gunslinger, which is the first book, and I've gone through half of the second book, while Morgan has actually read all the books mm-hmm. front to back. Uh, multiple times, so right. she can definitely give us a lot of insight into uh, maybe the, the the thoughts behind some of the I, I, you know decisions of the movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, before that, let me just tell you a little bit about what the Dark Tower movie is about. Uh, basically, it's a sci-fi fantasy western film. Uh, it's directed by Nicolaj Arsenal. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I did it anyway. Nikolai Arcel? Yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a continuation of Stephen King's novel series by the same name. Uh, the film stars Idris Alba as Roland uh, Deschain as the gunslinger on a quest to protect the Dark Tower, a mythical structure which supports all realities, and Matthew McConaughey is his nemesis, Walter O'Dim, or the Man in Black. So, Morgan, um, let's start with... A little bit about you know how did you feel before you came into seeing the movie like you know did you did you actually want a, a dark tower movie or did you want something else uh, I think that dark tower fans have wanted a dark tower film adaptation for a while um, the f- film adaptations kind of been in development hell for quite a long time um, the film has gone through a bunch of directors who've said yes and they've said no. Some of those include J.J. Abrams, you know, he did the Star Wars. He's really good. I like J.J. Abrams and Ron Howard. Um, unfortunately, none of those worked, so they went with Nikolai Arcel. I don't really know too much about him. Um, well, he doesn't have that much of a history, actually. Um, I was looking up a little bit about his uh, directorial career. Right. Um, he's only had one, two, three, four, and The Dark Tower as his fifth movie as a director. Right. Um, so that kind of that kind of set the precedent for feeling a little bit hesitant to see the film. Um, I still think that they should uh, they should have done like an HBO kind of thing. With, um, you know, I like Game of Thrones. I like how they've been adapting Game of Thrones to TV. Obviously, you know, Game of Thrones suffers from the same thing where there's a lot of stuff left out or changed. But in general, I think they've done Game of Thrones really well. So I think that that well, would have been the better way to go. And and not only that, but in like recently, American Gods, right. uh, you know, was just made into a Showtime series. And it's doing wonderfully, and amazing cast, and it's representing the book and the author's vision um, very well. So, right. tell me, tell me how you think, you know, the movie could have could have done. What 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 do you think of the movie? First of all, I think it was disappointing. I think that the visuals were great. I liked Idris Elba. 
Matthew McConaughey, uh, like, what was that weird accent that he was doing? That was kind of ridiculous. Well, see, the problem with Matthew McConaughey is, is that he's always going to have that kind of southern drawl, you know, the all it right, all right, all right. It wasn't know, even it's... a southern drawl. It was almost like a, almost like a teasing voice he had at certain times where mm -hmm. he just, it's, it was very funny, actually. I found it amusing. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that would be how I would envision the man in black from the books. I know that he's kind of like a trickster and a magician and he's also evil. And there, there is a lot of that in the movie where, you know, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey as the man in black kind of plays these kind of tricks, uh, uh, forces people to, to see things, relive things. Right. To, but to that, put them in a... But a, that voice man that was just yeah. a little bit like you know i think that was kind of a directorial hiccup i feel like you know the, director... you the casting no not the casting i think if the director had said hey don't do that please uh -huh. don't do that yeah <laughs> that because the rest of it i didn't mind there was just certain times where he started to speak in this really weird not an accent not a southern drawl but like mm -hmm. almost like a nasally kind of you know trying to be an evil right. villain kind of like i don't know if well, i could compare it maybe like um the guy who plays Rumpelstiltskin, I think, in uh, Once Upon a Time, he kind of has that kind uh, of like yeah. trickster kind of voice. That just did not, that was weird. That was So, so I mean, the way I feel is that Matthew McConaughey definitely um, took aspects of that character and amped it up a little bit. Um, I mean, you got to think of it this way, too. You don't have an entire, you know, 20, you know episode series to go through to evolve the character and make him something um, uh, like the trickster. So instead, he wanted to amp it up and make it so obvious that, you know, it goes on. Now, it, was just, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. But it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing, I would probably say. And um, honestly, I, if of all the things that would have been, that could have been a lot better, um, you know, it just handled overall, the, the dialogue... I feel it was the, poorly written. I feel... I it, The visuals were great. Like you said, I think the whole trick with reloading the guns, mm -hmm. amazing. I think the, the, the uh, fight scenes, you know, with the, with uh, Roland shooting up the place, yeah. amazing. Uh, the Man in Black's even abilities, amazing. Right. But the dialogue, but the, the dialogue, writing was shit. It, yeah. was, it was poorly written. I agree with that, and I think that kind of goes into... Like, I thought he liked Idris Elba, but I feel like they didn't give him enough dialogue. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I feel like... That, that's exactly true. Yes. He was... I know that in the books, he's kind of like that as well. Very short, very clipped. But in the film adaptation version, I kind of want to know more about him. They gave him a little bit of a backstory with his father, but it was so brief and so rushed. And I don't feel like I got to know or care about him. See. I feel like it was focused mostly on Jake. Which is fine, except that I feel like out of all the actors in the movie, he was the weakest. So, I feel like so, he was completely forgettable. Um, not bad, not good, just meh. Right, so let, let me go into a little bit of who Jake is. Jake is basically uh, an 11-year-old boy. Um, he has The Shining, or The Shine. In which the is, film, yeah. In the film, which is a nod to uh, you know the overarching universe of Stephen King, which... Basically psychic powers. It's just right. psychic powers. Uh, right. Firestarter, the girl with the fire, all that. Yeah, that's Firestarter, also the, sh the Shining, all right. that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all linked. So I'm going to basically throw this out. I feel like Jake was, yeah, he was a little bit, uh, I guess, overshadowed by the overarching story. Maybe his... Uh, the, the character wasn't really that strong. He wasn't really a strong personality. The uh, actor tried as best as he could, I guess. But overall, I think it still comes back to just the dialogue was not 
it wasn't great for any of the no. any of the characters. No. Yeah. So I, I and and I think that is like a big flaw of the movie beyond the fact that they try to cram seven books into a single movie. Right. Right. Like it was the writing. It was the script writing. It didn't help anybody. You know, everyone did the best that they could. The visuals were great. I think that there was a lot of potential in it, but yeah, it was very rushed. And there was a lot of rushing in the film. So, so, so coming back to the books now, yeah. Um, if they, how would you have made this movie? If you know you were told, well, well, actually, to be fair, it's not only just going to be a movie because they're thinking about making a TV series right. after this movie. Hopefully, let's hope. That okay, they do so that. you you still wait a minute. Now we mentioned spoilers. Big spoilers. Uh, the ending is completely different from what I understand from the books. Oh, everything is very different. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so tell me a little bit about how, how... So you just said that you want them to continue the TV series. The TV series is going to continue on in a tangent from away from the books. And you're cool with that. I mean, I kind of would hope that they would... I don't know, I think I would have liked, like I said before, like a Game of Thrones adaptation where it's, things can be changed, yes, but I think the visuals are very spot on. Like, Game of Thrones is an incredible series. I know I might be fangirling a little bit on that, but, you know, they work a little bit with George R. R. Martin, and I think that that would be good. I think that, you know, if they worked with Stephen King and they did, like, an HBO kind of budget and they actually spaced things out with the books, um, I think that could be a really great series. As far as the film trying to go and make it a little bit different, that's fine, except they really didn't do a good job with that either. And my fear is that they do that with a TV series, they might also miss the point. At least if they have the books, they kind of have a really good foundation to go on, and then they could consult King on well, that as well. Well, okay, so let's go into about the ending, because it's completely different. It's very Hollywood. Right. Like a very Hollywood happy ending. Well, okay, let's not be that far happy ending. I mean... Um, the the kid the Jake's mom got incinerated. Right. Um. His, his stepdad was an asshole and he died deservingly. But right. well, I mean, in my opinion, but whatever. But um, that's completely different from the books. What happens in the books? What is the ending in the books? I mean, the seventh book ending. Let's 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 try. Let's jump a little bit to the beginning of the books because we first meet Jake in the first book. Uh huh. And we get a little bit of Jake's backstory in the first book about. How, you know, his his family dynamic is very different in the book. I remember that his father works at this, like, TV network, never has a lot of time for him. Um, it's been a while since I read the first two books. Now, I actually have, I'm coming off of reading the first book, and I, I've delved into the second book, which doesn't really have anything to do with Jake. Right. Oh, yeah, spoiler, uh, there are major characters missing from the books. Right. Um, so, but aside from that... Um, Jake, yes, you're right about that. The way Jake comes into the gunslinger's world, mm -hmm. midworld, in the first book, yeah, in the first book, is that he's actually killed right. by the man in black, right? Um, which is not what happens in the movie. In the movie, um, he finds a portal, a, a thinning of the dimensions, and he crosses over. So you haven't gotten to the third book. That's actually where I was feeling like they crammed all seven books. Okay. So. That house, that scene, that finding the portal, even the house monster, all of that is from the third book, The okay. Wastelands. That is how, in a sense, Jake comes back to Roland's world, except that they kind of draw him out. Like Roland, um, Susanna, uh -huh. Eddie, they're all together there, and he comes back that way. But 
in a very different way. Like in the third book, There's yeah, no he's portals. having dreams. Yeah. yeah, and it's very similar to the third book, this movie, where in the third book he's having dreams and he visualizes the gunslinger and he kind of, like, he's living in kind of like an alternate world from where he was in the first book. So, like, he died in the first book. Right. But he's alive in this other now, world. Now, when we mean he died, he, he actually died twice because he died once right. by the Man in Black killing him. And then he, he appears in the Gunslinger's world called Midworld. Uh, and then um, he dies again because Roland fails to save him. Right. Because Roland is pure like vengeance mode he's just zeroed in on the man in black and he's very close to catching him and right. he lets jake die he lets him drop right he lets him fall yeah he lets him fall from a very great height and he dies right yeah so the the movie kind of goes in the third book's direction and again like people were saying like they're trying to make the movie different than the book series however there's so many similarities from the book series to the film that the film doesn't do a good job explaining it. It feels like it, it feels very jumbled because you jump from, you know, the beginning where he's like on the battlefield kind of thing, and that's I think they're referencing the Battle of Jericho Hill, which I've read a little bit about in the Dark Tower comic book adaptation. So it was very weird. It starts there, which is a really kind of strange place that, to start. That battle isn't in the books. I think it's mentioned in the fourth book. In the fourth oh. book you get to know Roland's backstory. So, right. again, it's been a while since I've read that one. I read the comics a little bit more frequently than I have read that one. Okay. But, yeah, that's very strange. In the fourth book, you get to know Roland's childhood. You get to know more about his father, his beef with, you know, Martin. Well, um, you know, the, the biggest problem here is is that, um, again, they, they're not able to do that within one movie. Right. Um, and But they're continuing the story we might see maybe flash flashbacks to roland's past i don't I just, know I, I don't know if idris alba is actually going to be part of this um if he's going to be playing you know uh the gunslinger or so if, do if they plan gonna... to make a sequel of this film because that is an absolute no no yeah. they they i just feel very disappointed they completely screwed up anything that they could have done i feel like well, okay, so it says here, uh, in an interview with Collider, Stephen King expressed hope for a sequel to The Dark Tower, in addition to the film's follow-up television series. Uh -huh. So there you go, that, that's one thing. Stating that if a sequel is made, it would have a rated R, um, and it would include Roland wearing a hat. And that the opening scene of The Dark Tower 2, The Drawing of 3, in which Roland loses two of his fingers to lobstrosities, would be adapted. So there isn't really much to go on in terms of it's just Stephen King expressing. I mean, he wants every he basically Stephen King is very much a guy who wants to make all his books into movies, and just even if they're not the best, he wants them on yeah. on the big screen. He he doesn't have a great track record. No. I don't know. You remember Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, Maximum Overdrive. There's there. No, no, no. no. Uh, that other movie the, with the with the cats uh, is. Uh, what was it called? It was. Uh, I can't remember. God, man. There's a there's a lot of them. There's and a lot he of directed films. that one. It was terrible. There was incest. There was uh, uh, alien cat people. Oh yeah, there's it, been some really gross. bad. So Tommy, like the Tommy Knockers. Uh -huh. um, 
Yeah, there's been some really weird ones. Langoliers, remember those like... Black? I actually love Langoliers, so I don't even want to hear about your fucking hate about the Langoliers because Langoliers was an amazing TV movie. Uh-huh. Um, and it had a lot of the dimensional stuff, you know, of uh, crossing between worlds kind of thing and, you know, the end of time. Some... Wait, you know, that's a great question. So the Langoliers, right? Now, uh, like I believe we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, the book series definitely ties in a lot of the other series... Um, they're all connected right like all of it, them are connected to the dark tower and interconnected with each other i right. think that's an interesting point so I think, so wait a minute so what i'm saying is uh, the langoliers they're basically the end of time the end of the world i don't know would they be part of the whole darkness that uh the dark tower movie references where if the tower falls the darkness comes in and it's all just demons and monsters and shit i think the mist is a closer reference example of that where there's like a rip there's a tear now that's really cool too the mists like whole idea of like a cthulhu world coming into our world right and just destroying us yeah. right i did like the only thing i can really say that i enjoyed about the movie was how many little references it had to not just other king works but to the dark tower series and i think that also lends back to my disappointment of how much they crammed in there so in the beginning you see the children who are working to break the beam that is something referenced in the later books, in books five through seven. Right. Um, that one first comes through in Wolves of the Kala, which you kind of get, I feel like you get a glimpse of it when they go through that town towards the end where, you know, they have the station and Roland's coming back to New York again. It was very strange. Like, that definitely felt like a very rushed Wolves of the Kala reference. Um, so, yeah, you start with that. Um okay <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you start with that um and then you see the number 19 which is referenced throughout the book series that was kind of cool you know he uses the number 19 in the house to get through to roland's world the house again being book three when he comes through to roland's world with the sand you know that's kind of like so, book one so is there so so there's not a lot of like they they made it's a them... continuity problem. Well, yeah, it's a continuity problem. But in my opinion, I actually feel that although they crammed like seven books into one movie, they did you know they did follow the beats to get us to the end of the story. I mean, I didn't feel lost, even though you know I understand that a lot of references are being ripped from. It's seven there's a lot of books. things being thrown around at once. I think for someone who hasn't finished the book series, there's a lot to enjoy. For someone who has, you know, the, they would get the references, but I think the references in a way also would frustrate them and how many things are being thrown around just haphazardly. Well, it was it was a mess. It was a mess. I liked the references, you know, I, like when Jake is in the therapist's office, you see a photo on his desk of The Shining. When Jake is exploring through Roland's world, you see this, like, abandoned amusement park, amusement park with Pennywise, a reference to it. Um, even that exploration scene with Roland in the beginning with those abandoned, you know, theme park rides mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of book three, The Wasteland, where they kind of go through this broken town. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of references. The Dixie Pig is another one that comes through towards the end, the very end of the novels. My only complaint with the Dixie Pig, the outside, the exterior was great. It was a great reference. I love the sign, you know. Mm -hmm. Inside, it looked like something ripped out of Harry Potter, which was very weird. Okay. There was multi-levels. It was uh -huh. just very weird. Like, a long time ago, I played this kind of point-and-click game. I think it was on Stephen King's website at one point. 
to explore kind of some worlds of the Dark Tower. This is a long time ago. This was, I think, before the comic books even came out. Wayback Machine, yeah. Right, before, I think it was a promotional thing for the comics, and they had a scene where you would go through the Dixie Pig looking in clues, and it was painted out very differently, but I really liked how they did it. It was, you know, single level, very grungy, very grimy. Now, now let me ask you another thing. Uh, when it comes to the minions, you know the the, the lowmen, yeah, yeah, the lowmen. But they're they're called something else in this movie, like the skin. Um, uh, well, they have flappy skin. All right. So basically, are what you know? It's not really explained, obviously, in this movie. But what? Why are they following the man in black? The man in black wants to destroy everything. They're just kind of like, you know, like in movies, like his grunts, his minions. But in, the, the, book in series, the books, it's the same thing? Yeah, they're just... Like, you know, I, didn't, I didn't see the motivation. Like, why Why would they follow... Well, I guess they would follow him because he has full control over them. The Man in Black's powers uh, also include not only incinerating people, but he can just uh, tell them to stop breathing, and they do. Yeah, they just... They kind of amped up the Man in Black as well. It, it was kind of strange. In the book series, they kind of go into the low men a bit more... Um, the Lowmen are also mentioned in other King books like Hearts in Atlantis um, because they're after Ted Brodigan. Ted Brodigan was one of the breakers of the beam. So that's another interesting thing is in the book series, the breakers that they get, they're not all children. It's not just children who have this power. It's anybody who has, you know, I guess the shine. The shine. They don't really call it that necessarily in the book series, the shine. It's just they have these psychic powers they are, you know, kidnapped, taken to this prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the prison in the movies, I guess that works. You know, it wasn't as different as I expected. Okay. But, yeah, there was just a whole lot of people there. And what's interesting as well is that there's another character who's in this, like, prison. Uh-huh. Who's referenced in the beginning of the books, like in book four, whose name is Shimi, who Roland meets when he's very young on his very first, like gunslinger mission okay so i think that's interesting how they connect it all together i was kind of also disappointed that they just made it about children i thought that was like i know that they're trying to make it like oh jake is the one who can break the tower and this is why we care but it was just, yeah. yeah which is not which is not really a, a main focus of the book series where jake is the one who can has so much psychic energy that they strap him into a machine in this yeah, prison was... and blast the tower with a beam of energy. Yeah, that was that was that was that weird. was weird, that and was that's not weird. something that's in the book series. No, not not even not like the revenge way. thing either. I kind of was disappointed with that as well. Where, you Roland's know, revenge. Yeah, where it starts with you know the man in black killing Roland's father, and Roland's kind of on this quest to kill the man in black. In the book series, he has this like obsession, this sickness towards finding the tower he's on this long quest to reach the dark tower he wants to climb up the tower and see what's at the top Mm -hmm. you know he hates the man in black that's that's fine you know the two of them have their thing going there's also the crimson king which in the movie there's like references on the wall all hail the crimson king well now when i saw those references i immediately thought they were referencing the man in black no oh that's a separate thing separate thing there's there's you know, Crimson King at the top of the tower. That's, I think, one thing that fans of the book series didn't really like is how quickly the Crimson King was taken care of in mm. the last book. It was kind of silly. Okay. I think the lot, like, people have a beef from, I would say, book five, you know, five through seven, mm. where things are kind of strange. Things are, things get pretty weird. Okay. 
for me, my favorite book is still the third book. I think it's the most creative. Mm -hmm. I love the whole evil train thing. I love the broken down city. Um, and also, uh, in the third book, all three join Roland on his catet. Yeah, so you have Jake, Eddie, Susanna. They're all together. Right. Um, in the third book, Jake meets Oi, which the movie references as well in the commercial with the talking raccoons. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In... They're talking animals in... Not necessarily. In okay. the book, Oi is a thing called a billy bumbler, which is kind of like a raccoon creature. Oh, okay. And he can kind of mimic um, parrot things, kind of, but he's very intelligent. Um, Oi is like they call him that because when they're like calling him a boy that's how mm -hmm. he like mimics that back and you know it's kind of cute he's like jake's companion well i mean you know it does seem like there will be a follow-up television series uh although uh, the critical response has not been not been good toward the movie um right now i believe it's sitting around 19 percent approval rating right um and I don't know, a lot of, obviously a lot of fans of the book series, of the novels, are just not digging the, the changes, and there are quite a few. It's, it feels very, I don't know, I think they just missed a really good opportunity. I think that, you know, some people are saying, oh, you know, the low ratings, don't listen to the low ratings, there's a lot of good in the movie, and I think that, yeah, I can see a lot of good in the movie, but it's overshadowed by how much they could have done like i feel like the low percentage rating is that they had so much to work with and they fucked up so uh, well, much right. like so so speaking of some good things because i do feel there have there were actually some really nice things the about good the movie. things there's very few i i i i know but i i the one of the great things i think in this movie was actually um the development of the relationship between roland and jake um, yeah, I do. I mean, obviously, I haven't read the books, so obviously the books, probably superior. But that scene when they're just, you know, Roland is going through his his whole um, um, gunslinger motto or, or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, um, and he's trying to calm Jake down after Jake learns that the man in black basically burned his mom to cinders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is that that, that scene was really nice. Like, they, they both kind of got in sync. Uh, Roland gave Jake his gun, okay? Right. And, you know, they just start shooting some cans. And it was just, like, kind of a nice a nice way of them bonding. Because before that, they really hadn't bonded. Yeah, uh, Roland saved Jake a few times, sure. But this was the one time kind of Roland opened up to him. Yeah. In a way that we, we didn't see. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if, if I have to take away anything from this movie, I, I think that scene was really nice. And, and I mean, in the end, you know, the ending being that, oh, hey, you know, you don't, you, you know, you don't, you don't have a reason to stay here anymore. And I can't stay here. So why don't you just come join me? That's something that if you read the first book, you would never see that happen because Roland betrayed Jake. Right. Now Jake saw it coming, but in and, and honestly, this entire time, like in in the movie, I thought, okay, well, first of all, I can't believe he killed the Man in Black. That that was like shocking to me for some reason. That was very rushed. Okay, that's very rushed. They completely dealt with the beam breaking station and uh -huh. the Man in Black in one shot. That was 
the and, fuck? And it was pretty crazy. It was a crazy shot that Roland had to take to make that even happen. And th- that was cool. I would say that was cool. But honestly, what I thought was going to happen after that is that the bullet was going to go straight for Jake's head. I didn't think... I didn't think Roland was going to save him for a second. I really thought, like, you'll just... No, but of course, you know, it's a Hollywood thing. It's a Hollywood ending. Well, that and they removed yeah. Roland's obsession with the tower. In the yeah. in the movie, they almost imply that he doesn't even care about the tower, which is no. very strange to me. He only cares about the man in black. So, Which is kind of the reverse. What is his motivation if they were to continue? So he has Jake... They're going to go, and they're going to go back to Roland's world. And there's no man in black. Right, there's no man in black, and there's no real motivation for him to go to the tower because, oh, they've already destroyed the beam-breaking station, so what the hell is the point? Well, okay, so there's like a mythos behind the gunslingers. They're basically like knights, knights of the round table, sort of. Um, Even in the movie, they referenced uh, Roland's guns made by the steel... Uh, of which uh, Excalibur... I'm going to have to reread the books to check that reference. That yeah, you, you think that reference is a little off? I think that's a little off. Okay. But well, again, I need to reread the books. Like, I want to go back and reread the books. There's a lot that I remember. I've read through the series multiple times. I've read every Stephen King But there book. are, like, some things that are just, like, just There were some yeah. things in the movie that I was kind of like, I don't know if that's correct. But again, I, I don't want to say anything and get it wrong. So I'll say, okay, sure. Okay. Sure. You know, they're, they are kind of described as knights in the book. They are, right. the, you know, the elves. That, that's the same. Okay. You know, that's kind of referenced the way that the people in the town... I'm just going to call it the Kala because that's what I think it is. Mm. The way that they, you know, talk to him and reference him. That's that's That sounds fine. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you obviously you weren't impressed. And definitely coming from somebody who's read all seven novels... I just don't understand why they would put so many references and then miss so much in the movie. It's like, they have so much that's correct. They have so much there that they obviously, like, there are certain things where I'm like, oh, they know what they're talking about in this thing or this thing. And then they just completely, like, I feel like they had it written on a piece of paper and they needed to shorten it, so they just took a lot of things that they could have added, crumpled it up, tossed it away, and just went with whatever. It was just very meshed and rushed. And... It was a 95-minute movie, and what is ironic to me is that the Stephen King adaptation of It, the new adaptation of It, that movie is longer than this movie, and that's just one... Yeah, I mean, like, it's a long book. It's a thousand-page book, but it's one book. This is a seven-book series, plus eight if you count Win Through the Keyhole, I Don't Really, or the, like, short story Little Sister of Illyria, I don't really count that either. I mostly count the first one through seven even though there's many other references and spinoffs, but fuck. (laughs) I can't really say that enough. Like, there was a lot of great visuals. There was a lot of great promise. The references, like, even the reference when um, they're leaving the Cala and they're going back to New York above the portal is 1408. Like, there's so many references. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, they yeah, just jumbled you. so much. It just it so did. so overall. Obviously, you are a big proponent of reading the novels. Yeah, I mean, I think that my feeling is this. I think this showed that there could be something in the future. I think that yeah, there was so much promise, and there are a lot of people who really want a good Dark Tower adaptation. There's a lot of fans of Stephen King who've been wanting that for a really long time. I'm among them. I love the comic book series. I love the art. I didn't 
hate the Dark Tower. I was just disappointed by the Dark Tower. I was disappointed in what they missed. You know, they had an opportunity, okay, they're gonna make it different, but they didn't really make it different. They didn't really explain it. They rushed it. It was just very... Well, I mean, I guess I guess it, in the end, you know, they, they are trying to fall back on that TV series. Now, with the way, you know, a lot of the reception has been for this, I, I don't know if there will be a TV series. I think that... But... I think that there's a potential for it. Okay. In a perfect world, in my head, when Game of Thrones comes to an end... And HBO, HBO so, yeah. Right, and HBO needs a new series to pick up where Game of Thrones sure. left off. But the important thing is that they get, you know, the right people to work on it. They work with Stephen King like they've been working on the series with George R. R. Martin, and they make it faithful. I think if they make a faithful adaptation of the books, or try to, or do their best to show that they care about the source material, because that's another thing about this film. It's like there's moments where oh, they really care about their source material. They're referencing these really cool things and other things where they're like, why the heck did you do that? Yeah. Why did you rush through that? Why did you do it this way? Like, like not giving a shit. There were so many moments where the film like sped something up or rushed past something. It just didn't give a shit. Like, it wanted to be an action film. It focused on that action. You know, the scene that you liked with Roland and Jake, I think there could have been more than that. Like, why would oh, they yeah. rush through so oh, much of this building? I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right about the 90-minute runtime is ridiculous for a movie like this, um, where there's so much source material to go on. And uh, like what you said in the beginning, the, the writing was kind of, you know, half-assed, a little lacking. Roland didn't have much to talk about. Right. And uh, there were f very few, like, quips not yeah. funny not even funny moments but very like two i could think of two where they'll be like huh you know but the fish out of water thing i think was the yeah which was even funnier to me because you have the things where he doesn't understand about like soda which reminds me of like the second book right. where he needs antibiotics uh -huh. and then when he's fighting the low man in the dixie pig and he finds the propane tank yeah how the heck did he know that that would do that up. yeah i mean because uh, from what i remember uh especially in the second book it, once he started inhabiting, um, you know, uh, uh, Eddie's mind, yeah. he was then able to understand things from our world. But he didn't have that opportunity. Right, to movie. learn. So it was just kind of already implied that everything is just, it, it, it's in both worlds. Like, I guess that you could just assume that maybe his link with Jake, his mental link with Jake. But that was just very... Yeah, yeah, that was weird. It was like, oh, it's an action scene. Let's give some fire, sure. some explosions. Let's make it... It was a great scene. It was well shot. There yeah. were a lot of really great visuals, but there were so many things that were missing. Rushed, dumbed down, skipped past, jumbled, very meh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I I agree with the 19% rating not because I hated it, but because there were so many opportunities where I was just cringing like, "No, do like explore this. Like yeah. show more of this. Do more with this. Why are you rushing past this? Why do you not care about this or that?" Like why? That yeah. was the thought in my head the whole time. Why? Why? Just... Well, this I mean, obviously the the movie has been in, you know, development, development hell for so long. Right. I know, and, but and the still... fact that it came out, you know, at all is pretty surprising. Yes, it should. Could it have been put back again and let someone else take over? Maybe someone who I don't know is more Gives intimate, a shit. right? I guess more intimate with the with the novel series, more passionate about it, and and found the production and the funding 
Because who knows, you know, a lot of the executives might had their own ideas of how this movie should have turned out, and this is what we see. We yeah. don't really know exactly, but the fact is that, you know, if the TV series doesn't happen, um, I really hope this doesn't burn anybody else from, from seeing, the, like, the next Dark Tower if it's I a think it depends. Like, King has a lot of stuff going on right now. He's got that new remake of It coming out. He has, during this August, he has a TV series for um, <clears throat> Mr. Mercedes. There's a new TV series coming out for The Mist. He's got a lot of he's shit. He's got going. a lot of he's fucking shit. He's got a lot of shit. I feel like he's like hitting that thing where he's like feeling older and like, I really want to see this. Yeah, he, that he, done. he thinks he's going to die tomorrow. <laughs> That's exactly what he's thinking. And so he's like just pumping it out. So he's, he's set. <laughs> for the rest of his life if he's not already I I just think he really wants to see certain things done a certain way or yeah. he wants to see you well know, let's redo nuke. the stand how about we redo the stand that instead of the shitty goddamn like I think maybe that I think that might be in the pipeline you never know you know like they wanted to redo the I would say it's a mediocre TV series of it I wouldn't say it's shitty I liked some certain things of it I didn't like certain things of it I think that updating it, yeah, you know, we have different thoughts. That's a different podcast. That's fine. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm gonna. We're gonna see it. We're yeah. gonna talk about it because we, we both enjoy Stephen King's like oh, yeah. work profile, just right. overall. But um, I like just just for this movie for the Dark Tower. I did like some of it. Okay, the movie. It was just a dumb action movie. The writing could have been better, a lot better. But what, I like the actors. What would you rate it? What would you rate well, it? I mean, I don't think the 19% is, like, too far from what I would rate it either. Uh, but, I, you know, I'd still give maybe, you know... A, I still feel there was just a lot of... There's a lot of charisma uh, with uh, Idris Elba, okay? He just needed better lines, and he didn't have any, yeah. which was the problem. He did the best what he had. So, I did like Idris Elba. So, because of the writing... I will I will give it like maybe like a twenty five percent. Give it a twenty five percent. You know, mm-hmm. if 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 the visuals were great, but yeah. the movie was rushed. Yeah, I think yeah I think the nineteen percent is low. I do think that's low. I think it it wasn't horrible. It was entertaining for its action scenes. The visuals were fine. I think that there was no cohesive story to hold it together. It Which was, is what a lot of critics have right. Said. It was very. It was very jumbled. It was not well done. Um, the writing was horrible. Um, there were certain things, like even with the Matthew McConaughey voice, like that, I was just kind of like, oh God, please don't do that. Like he was just being a creeper, you know. He was. It was a very like... weird. It was very weird. Like I think visually, he looked great as a man in black. I think there were a lot of great scenes with him. Yeah, and with his popped was... open, popped open <laughs> little uh, dress shirt. I just exposing think, his little chest hairs. I just think that Actually, there might have been, like, other yeah. ways, like, you know, maybe, like, a different take on a certain scene. Like, you know, the director goes, cut, let's try how about, it a different how about, way. How about uh, Ian McShane, who, you know, um, Wednesday from American Gods is the Man in Black? I mean, there's a lot of people I could think you of could to be the of. Man in Black. Who would have been your Man in Black? I don't want to say it because I think it's stupid. Do you know the guy, I can't remember his name plays the green goblin the original spider-man oh um uh yeah i do uh yeah what's his name can we look up his name because i really think that he 
would be good, but again, like, maybe people would think that that's stupid. Yeah, um, oh, jeez, that was the wrong place to look. You'd have to, like, IMDB it, but... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, here we go. It is, uh, William Defoe. William Defoe. Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. Yeah, I think he would be good. Really? That would have been great. And you know, he's, uh, he's playing Ryuk's voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the... I think uh, he's really talented. I like Willem Dafoe. I like him a lot. I would like to see him things. But, you know, again, like, it could go any way. I'm yeah. not picky. I, you know. And Roland? I, I warmed up to Idris Elba as Roland. The uh-huh. only other person I had in my uh-huh. mind before they cast the movie. Before, uh-huh. like, I did a dream casting kind of thing, like, where I picked different actors for different things before sure. they said the movie. Like, the movie's coming, but they didn't have a cast. I was thinking, like... The guy who plays um, Bohannon in Hell on Wheels. Um, Anson Mount. Anson Mount. But again, I, I just think that he's just an underutilized actor. And for I those who haven't seen Hell on Wheels... Uh, he's it's coming a, in The Defenders. He, well, no, not The Defenders. He's coming in... Um, oh, not Defenders. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, Inhumans. 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 Uh, but aside from... Uh, but Hell on Wheels is actually a great representation of what oh. Roland could have been. Right. You know, it if was a very, was fleshed out. Yeah. Very Western. Like, yeah, I've seen that a lot where it's very true to King's original concept of Roland where he was kind of like thinking like a Clint Eastwood type. Sure. Again, I actually warmed up to Idris Elba as Roland. Yeah. I liked his voice. I'm I liked you. the way he composed himself. I very liked it. Ca- just very charismatic, although he didn't have any lines that really... To like, bring it out. Yeah. To bring it out, and he had the fish-out-of-water kind of like yeah. cute like quips, but he was very charismatic. You and know? then like for Eddie, I was thinking um, the guy who plays... Uh, Oh, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. From ba- Breaking Bad. Well, you're reading through the second book. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, yeah, very accurate. Because uh, Eddie is um, is very, like, quick-witted. Yeah. Now, Aaron Paul, in the beginning, is not very quick-witted. But he he gets smart, you know? Oh, he in Breaking pi- Bad? Yeah, yeah, in Breaking Bad. So... Jesse! Yeah, that progression, <laughs> like, you know, in the later seasons, like, three, I guess, or four? Yeah. I would say Breaking Bad for sure for Aaron Paul. God, it's such a um, good series. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just keep thinking of Walter, like, talking to Jesse, just all those scenes. Are oh, just... there you go. That could have been a man in black. Mm. No? No. Really? I don't know. Walter I don't know. White, not, not good enough for you, huh, as a man in black? No, I don't know. Ooh, okay. All right. Know. But but anyway, let's uh, let's so don't go see the movie. Read the books. I mean, if you're curious about the movie, I'd say wait and rent it. You know, sit sure. at home, be comfortable, cringe at home. Sure, cringe at home. <laughs> cringe at home. Um, but yeah, there, I, there was just too much wrong with the movie for you to. It was go out and see yeah. It. There was a lot of great references, but at the same time, those references also made you frustrated because yeah. there was a lot missed. I think that's the thing. It's a disappointing film. It's not a bad film. It's a disappointing film because of what they could have done. Sure. And that's that's my summary. A lot, a lot of a lot of missed opportunities. A lot of missed opportunities. Gotcha. Well, like I said, hopefully this doesn't burn any bridges on reboots. Then again, reboots are happening all the time anyway because Hollywood, of course, needs reboots to maintain its status quo. Right. Um, so hopefully in the future, uh, hopefully maybe before King goes on to the next life or whatever um that's getting dark we're getting real dark well i mean i mean you know every year man every year so you know again well spider-man had a reboot 
not too long after 2002 Spider-Man. And then another uh, reboot. Yeah, exa- and now another reboot. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. It, it might be a thing that can happen. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I would say there was a few shining moments for me. Obviously, that only bumped me up to like a 25% out of the 19%. The dialogue, you know, was kind of crap. Yeah. So... I'm reading the books right now. I think the dialogue in the books is great. I yeah. feel like I'm intimate with the characters. And obviously in a book, you can be inside Roland's head. So even though Roland might not be saying much, you know what he's thinking about. Yeah. So in the end, um, read the books and uh, see the movie maybe at home. Yeah. Some other time. Well, anyway, that wraps us up uh, for this week's podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Leave your comments uh, wherever you can possibly leave your comments. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye.